Hello, everybody. This is Theo. From today's episode of How to Scale a Business, I'm on with Chantal Suttle, founder of Advocacy, and also uh, from she is a founder of JustPreenups.com. Thank you so much, Chantal, for being on the show. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. You're very welcome. I'm glad to be here. All right. So, Chantal, uh, can you please uh, tell me more about uh, the experience that you have? Uh, tell us more about the JustPreenups.com. Sure. Well, JustPreenups.com is um, my answer to 27 years in divorce litigation in Miami, which is mm-hmm. a vicious place to be doing divorce litigation. Mm-hmm. Um, so after about 25 years in, um, and I'm, I'm still over there litigating right now, I realized that there was a, a better solution for um, middle-class couples who are getting married mm-hmm. that really don't fear one another. They fear the legal system, and they should. Um, it is extremely expensive to get divorced um, based on what you pay the lawyers, what you pay the mediator, what you pay child psychologists, guardian ad litem, substance abuse evaluators. The list goes on and on mm-hmm. and on about the professionals that can be involved in a case. Mm-hmm. So I realized that what couples really needed was a very um, fairly priced answer to a very simple prenup. Most prenups, I would say 80% of prenups read verbatim exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Um, when you go from lawyer to lawyer to lawyer to lawyer, expensive lawyer, cheap lawyer, legal zoom, they all look exactly the same, but it is the process that will actually have them thrown out of court and set aside. If I can improve the process standing behind pretty standard prenups, um, that's what I wanted to bring to the table. Additionally, I wanted to bring uh, language in a prenup that would actually help a couple through rocky, rocky times. Um, we know that those are the only definite that couples will have before they get married is we know for sure that that marriage will have some rough patches. And what we've done is we've put it together um, some possibilities for them if they want to include some language in a prenup that has them um, forced to engage in some kind of rough patch band-aids, such as marriage counseling, involvement of clergy. Um, we had one really brilliant couple right into their prenup that if they separated, they must return to their honeymoon destination for one week, unplugged mm-hmm. to spend time with one another. Um, we've had another couple put their marriage vows in the prenup um, mm-hmm. so that if they ever have to dig it up and show it to a lawyer, they'll see the words they said to each other on their wedding day. So putting in you know, some solutions for rough patches is really important because it makes the prenup, um, it makes the couple, number one, academically realize they're, they're flawed people and they mm-hmm. will behave badly at some point. Um, And number two, it gives them an opportunity to try and save the marriage because in Florida, under Florida law, um, the statute is such that we have to basically rush to the courthouse. Um, In Florida, there's no such thing as separation. We're only one of six states that does it that way. So you're either married or you're filed. And if Mm -hmm. you're not filed, your spouse is accruing debt in your name, accruing assets that should belong to you and is owed half your paycheck. So in order to stop that, financial hemorrhaging, people rush to file. In other states, you don't have to rush to file. You can separate, not Florida. Mm -hmm. So in that rush to file, what if we could do something better? What if we could find another avenue um, to help them through the rough patch and create a blueprint for the temporary separation, financial blueprint, how they'll handle it so that no one is rushing into court to stop a hemorrhage or establish who pays the mortgage. That's what we do that's kind of different than the 70% of other prenups that you can read. 
Mm, that's good to hear. That's an amazing. Thank you so much for that, Chantal. I just want to ask about this. Uh, what inspires you to have this kind of like an industry, especially for uh, why why you choose uh, having an attorney? I mean, since you're an attorney, right? Why uh, have you this kind of an industry, especially for like the marriage or for the prenup? Can you please tell us more about it? Uh, what inspires you to have this uh, just prenups.com? Uh, yeah, so I think what inspires me is the fact that divorce lawyers are terrible at keeping couples together. So it's not in our <laughs> wheelhouse. Um, so what happens is, is traditionally, the rich spouse wants the less rich spouse to sign a prenup. And so they send the prenup over and her lawyer looks mm -hmm. at it and says, oh, no, this is really hard on my client. I not only have to protect my client, but I have to protect mm -hmm. myself from being sued by my client. And there's where the <laughs> ugliness happens. Then they're both scorching the earth when the couple is really in love to start with. But by the time the lawyers are, you know, throwing arrows at one another and protecting their own personal interests in a legal malpractice suit and protecting their client, it really then can cause pressure on, on the trust, the relationship that the couple has together. So if you can take off the lawyer hat, put on a mediation hat, think of you as a marriage preservation specialist, um, which is what I do, I, I think it's a better way to approach a prenup. I bring my, my background in divorce litigation to a prenup. I know what can go wrong. And I mm -hmm. especially know that ugly period in those first couple weeks that a divorce is filed, how people behave is mm -hmm. either going to throw them off the precipice and make them definitely get divorced or not. What if I could throw more of my couples in the or not pile? That's my goal. And that is why I really have to take off my lawyer hat to do the best prenups that I draft. Great. That's actually an amazing answer over there. Thank you so much for that. And also, uh, can you walk us through, by the way, uh, your overall, like, is there like any strategies that you have uh, on this kind of industry, especially for an attorney in, uh, in marriage or in prenups? Well, in the mediation industry, it is not required, but it is my personal policy and and the policy of my of my firm here at Just Prenups that absolutely everything is transparent. So neither side is allowed to talk to us independently. They're never allowed to send an email to us without copying their fiance. Um, I won't even turn on the Zoom camera till I realize they're both in the room. Mm -hmm. um, so it is completely transparent to the couple. Um, there's never, ever, ever, ever side conversations, which are legally allowed for mediators. I just don't think it makes the trust feel, I just think they're going to trust each other more and the process more if I create very, very strict rules about transparency and joint participation at all times. All right. That's actually great. And uh, Chantal, uh, I believe that you've been an attorney in a long time. Uh, what is the difference or is there like any difference uh, when it comes to divorce from the previous year or from the previous generation up to this new generation? Oh, that's my favorite question of all. <laughs> yes, it's a huge difference. So what yeah. we are finding right now is the millennials are the most successful age group for marriage longevity so far. Mm -hmm. Um, they are outlasting their grandparents. They're definitely outlasting their parents. So there's two groups we're fascinated by right now that we are studying and really trying to understand what's causing them to be so good at marriage. Mm -hmm. One group is the millennials. Um, personally, I believe, um, and I'm not a millennial, I am well over the, the, 
the other side of 50 years old. Um, I believe it's because they're in constant communication with one another and no generation before them ever had spouses texting each other or communicating all day long. In my generation, you talked to your spouse when they got home from work and said, mm. how was your day? Not the millennials. The millennials are talking, talking, talking. The other thing is, is they really knew who they were marrying because of the benefit of the internet before they got too far in their relationship. So they know the background, the politics, um, prior prior court dealings. If, mm -hmm. if they're dating someone who's divorced, how did their divorce look? So they know each other very well and they communicate all the time, which is why I think the millennials are really rising to the top of the marriage success stories. The mm -hmm. other group that's fascinating is the sweethearts, the older mm -hmm. sweethearts who were high school sweethearts, college sweethearts, way back in the day in their 20s, then married other people, have spent decades with other people. And through usually death, but sometimes divorce, they found each other one again, once again, very, very late in life. And they have tremendously successful marriages as well. So we definitely have the old generation, much yeah. older generation, giving us a great example of marriage longevity. The millennials are just the question mark that we can't figure out why they're so good at it, but they are so good at marriage. And those of us in the middle, we're not winning any awards on marriage longevity. Um, it's called the gray divorce, G-R-A-Y, <laughs> mm -hmm. and it is the 50 to 60s age range is really doing a terrible job at staying married. I see. That's uh because of right now millennials, there's a lot of like topic communications for like Zoom, Facebook, Twitter, a lot of communications. Even though that we're uh, in abroad uh, in other countries, it's it could we could communicate easily with them since it's the internet, the power of internet. And uh, thank you so much for that. I I love that uh, answer, by the way. And Chantal, I just want to ask also, uh, what are like the the greatest challenges that you have that you're facing uh, in this kind of industry for especially for this prenups thank you um so prenups are pretty controversial right mm -hmm. yeah um there people have strong opinions of whether or not they would ever you know give one to their spouse or whether they would ever be willing to sign one mm -hmm. and those those strong feelings come from really our old-fashioned prenups which very often was a very wealthy spouse, usually the man, almost always the man, giving his bride two days before the wedding or the morning of the wedding while she's sitting there in her wedding gown, mm -hmm. a prenup where she waved everything. And, and basically she was going to sign it no matter what it said, because she mm. had 400 people yeah. showing up for the wedding. Her mother's there. Her sisters are there. Everyone's dressed up. The wedding costs a fortune. They're going to sign it no matter what it says. And that's the prenup everyone hates. That's the prenup that is controversial. You know, you can be late at night at a barbecue, drinking some beer mm -hmm. with friends, and it can come up in conversation and everyone will have very strong opinions. But we're talking about a product that doesn't really exist so much anymore. Mm -hmm. um, and we're talking about prenups doing a lot more today. So today, prenups include provisions for student loans. That's ugly if your spouse gets student loans in a Florida marriage. Mm -hmm. You're on the hook too. Um, we have provisions for pets. Um, People who are resoundingly in love with their, mm. especially their dogs. We have mm. seen tons of dog people getting um, pet language in their prenups. So prenups do a lot more today. So to, to have such a strong opinion about prenups is almost furthering the myth of the prenup. And it's an old fashioned, it's a, it's a myth grounded in old fashioned characters and stereotypes about prenups. I see. Thank you so much. That's an amazing answer over there. Uh, Chantal, uh... Can you discuss like any like 
do you have like any partnership or collaborations that you form to help grow uh, the justprenups.com that you have right now? I mean, we are, um, we promote the work of mediate.com because we're mediators and we believe mm -hmm. in mediation. Um, any outfit that is doing mediation, we are, they're strong partners and they're, and they're cheerleaders true cheerleaders we, we we're happy to see anybody mediating mediating is resoundingly successful in any legal dispute any mm -hmm. from landlord tenant to divorce to custody mediation gets it done 80 percent of the time as a national average so we love partnering with them um we've also formed strong alliances with some churches mm -hmm. um that we just have came upon certain churches that have very equality based marriages in their vows as part of the doctrine of the church. And they kind of know that we do a very equal um, collaborative prenup that is marriage preservation based. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for that. Uh, Chantal, I'm so curious about this, by the way, the advocacy that you have, especially this dad advocacy. I was so curious yes. since I'm also a dad, a millennial dad. Uh, <laughs> Could you tell us more about this, the just uh, the dad advocacy? Uh, yes. tell, tell us so, more about this. So Davocacy is my litigation firm that was born in 2012. Mm -hmm. um, and it was born after I was a laid off general magistrate, um, which is sort of like a judge mm -hmm. in Miami-Dade County Court. So I sat mm -hmm. as a magistrate judge in the child support unit. And before me, all the time, were great dads getting dealt a very bad hand through the court system. And the court system was well-intentioned, trying to get kids money they deserved, you know. Mm -hmm. But it basically, that arm of the court really kind of seemed to have foreclosed dads' participation in his children's lives. At the same time, the Florida legislature was over and over and over again trying to enact equal time sharing in Florida. They would only succeed about three or four weeks ago as we sit mm -hmm. here today. So mm -hmm. I've watched it trying to be passed in Florida since 2012 mm -hmm. um, and finally be enacted three weeks ago in 2023. So without that, that equality without that equal time sharing statute in florida dads who had now been in a house with mom mm -hmm. very often married but not required um they're raising their kids their hands on dads they're not our dads they're not our grandpas this is a different generation of very involved dads they see no issue with changing diapers with mm -hmm. being a carpool dad this is completely egalitarian parenting today those dads were being treated exactly the same as our dads and grandpas. Mm -hmm. It's as if the law and the stereotypical viewpoint of the of the judges didn't match with the reality of modern households and what it really looked like to be parenting. You know, we parent now today with most of the time mom and dad both work. Mm -hmm. um, and they're both have to work to make ends meet. So everyone True. is hustling. Everyone's got their hands in. Everyone is with, in terms of time and sometimes money, robbing Peter to pay Paul to just keep the wheels turning in the house and make sure everyone's fed, closed, and to bed on time. Mm -hmm. Our courts didn't really have a place um, for dads to be heard from. Mom, if she was a recipient of child support, got free representation through the Title IV system, which gives every custodial parent in the United States free child support representation. Dad didn't really have a place. Rich dads had lawyers to pay by the hour, mm -hmm. and dads with very, very low income could avail themselves of legal aid and pro bono programs. The dads in the middle were without anywhere to go. 
So what we did was, is we found a way that we could formulaically approach cases to really um, shrink down the necessary legal steps to get those cases to mediation, where mm-hmm. you already know 80% mm-hmm. of the time the parties reach reach an agreement between themselves, mm-hmm. um, which is the best kind of document to have because then they're in control of their parenting, their children and their lives rather than handing it off to a judge. And when we we put into play those, those pricing models, those um, scalability charts in our office workflow, we had, um, we have every hand in every case at the firm. There is no, this case belongs to this person. Someone else doesn't know anything about it. We had a rule in our firm that everybody knew every case. Now, you, now everybody doesn't know every detail of every case, but we would read through our cases and talk a little bit about, about what, would, mm-hmm. what they're about every two weeks, every single case with every single person who worked at advocacy.com. So with that, what happened was, is I've got an attorney who can go on vacation because someone else in the office Mm -hmm. um, knows about that case and knows a little bit that that one's a high conflict or that one has over-involved grandparents or that one has substance abuse issues. Mm -hmm. We don't know everything about the case, but we would know the flavor and the real problems, the, the crux of the matter in each case, so to speak. So it was really a different structure in terms of a law firm itself, backstage, behind the scenes. And it's a different feel for dads because, number one, we could put our money where our mouth was by being a political force, supporting equal time sharing, because Mm -hmm. we weren't representing moms who were opposed to it. We couldn't represent a mom and say equal time sharing is a bad idea to the judge and then be advocating for that before the legislature in Florida and writing our congresspersons and taking a very strong position as a firm. By being only a dad's firm, we could really back that legislation. We could um, partner up with organizations that do education, events, um, helping dads improve their skills as parents, helping dads just have a good time. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were always working with community community services. The pandemic um, certainly shut down so many hands-on opportunities, mm-hmm. so many in-person events. Um, that that our dads were a part of, that we were promoting. Sometimes we were sponsoring, sometimes we were just promoting. And we've missed that. But we also think it's kind of part of our the success of the equal parenting movement fueled mm-hmm. by so many law firms, so many lawyers, so many litigants, so many dads, and also so many moms that, that really brought us to this place where I, I I always said that the best thing that could happen for advocacy was equal parenting would pass and I'd be out of business. That was the best thing that could happen for dads was that equal parenting would make it easy for dads to get what they would have had to pay me to get before. Mm-hmm. So three or four weeks ago, we arrived there. Um, the Florida legislature finally gave us equal parenting. Um, we're now like many other states that have it, but not every state has it. Mm-hmm. And the mental health industry is telling us it is the best thing for children when started early, um, when when it's a it's a good good parenting relationship, no substance. Mm-hmm. Substance is obviously not going to work. Um, you know, some of our overnight shift workers, firefighters, healthcare workers, they might not be able to fit into a traditional equal ter- parenting schedule. The Florida law, Florida law allows immense flexibility as to how you lay out your time sharing. And it, it's such a, such an important thing that's happened in Florida that um, the few of us who do, you know, father's work 
are kind of standing around going, what now? Because we may have outlasted our usefulness. I can't say that I can in any way be credited for passing equal time sharing. Mm -hmm. However, we were a voice, one of many, many voices at advocacy back, back in the background, waving our hands in the air, asking our legislature to pass this. Yeah, Chantal, thank you so much for that. That's a powerful, inspiring message over there. And that's actually great since you have this kind of advocacy for those dads who had struggled, especially finding an attorney when it comes if they have any problems with their marriages. We, on behalf of those fathers, thank you for having this kind of advocacy. We really appreciate it. And also, Chantal, uh, is there any like, uh, this is like out of the topic, right, for being an attorney. So I was curious about the books that you read, like your favorite books and the podcast that you listen Uh what favorite books that I mean that you usually read and the podcasts that you listen? Um, well, most of the books that I read in building advocacy and building just prenups are your business and marketing. Mm-hmm. You know, um, duct tape marketing, all in, um, lean in, lots of those bestsellers. The podcasts that I listened to were very, very important because I'm a mom. I'm a woman. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a very involved husband. My dad was non-traditional. My dad was a widow when I was four years old um, and raised me and my infant Mm -hmm. little brother, four Mm -hmm. years younger than me. Our mother died in childbirth with him. He was a hands-on diaper-changing dad back in 1975. So I was never raised with... uh, sexist notions he would later go on to marry an engineer an engineer so Mm -hmm. women do this and men do that was never part of my upbringing i had a very opposite upbringing than that so i actually had to learn about sexism from podcasts i i heard a lot about what dads were going through with the stay-at-home dads network Mm -hmm. um, with life of dad some of the the original dad bloggers back in the day i think dude dad is now one of them um those those voices back in you know 2010 2011 were the ones that I was hearing of their experience as fathers because it was not something that was part of my upbringing. Mm-hmm. So I had to learn a lot about it. It was um, also something that was shocking to me. I had a really terrible delivery with my, our first child, um, and I was not really coherent um, mm-hmm. for days after my daughter was born. My husband had her all by himself, and I remember just the alarm and mm-hmm. and the, the, everyone like so worried that he couldn't handle it. Um, <laughs> my daughter was in the hospital with the entire oh. hospital staff. I don't understand mm-hmm. why people thought my husband couldn't take care of her there. I yeah. was in ICU. My daughter was in NICU. My husband was stuck in the middle. Um, mm-hmm. And the nurses, um, when I when I woke up, the nurses would come up to me and say, your husband did such a great job. We couldn't believe it. And I was like, well, why wouldn't he? Like, mm-hmm. it just shocked me when people were surprised at how good he was at parenting. And I was like, I, I just think this comes very naturally to people, mm-hmm. not necessarily moms, to people. Cave yeah. people had babies. We raised the human race, you know? That's like, true, that's true. It's, it's not that hard. The baby cries, try to figure out why, respond, yeah. do something. For me, it never seemed an impossible task for a man at all. Having said that, I believe that there are vast parenting differences by the way men and women parent. Um, and I think those are complementary skill mm-hmm. sets. Huge. I, I can always say that I've never met a dad who's worried that the goodie bag doesn't match the theme of the cake. But mm-hmm. I've also not met too many moms that um, 
tickle their kids and rile them up too late before bedtime and then they won't go to sleep either. So we each have our have our stereotypical skills we bring to the table to create really great upbringing of children when there's equal influence of mom and dad or two dads or two moms. Yeah, that's true. Um, right now in this generation, dads can learn mom skills and moms can learn dad skills. And yeah, that's one way around right now. And thank you so much for that. I really appreciate that uh, answer. And uh, Chantal, uh, do you have like anything that you want to shout out here on this podcast or anything you want to promote? Um, two things. If you're a dad and you're going through the misery of a breakup, um, take a step back get yourself a support system, your buddies, your friends, take a step back, determine whether or not the relationship is unrecoverable because mm -hmm. we, we divorce too fast. We break up too fast. I can say that as an industry, we've not helped this um, people like me. Mm -hmm. So everyone needs to take a breath, take some separation time. I highly, highly recommend some of the online marriage salvation programs, marriage saving programs. Um, I review several of them on the davacy.com. Um, blog page on our website if you're considering getting married realize that other thing can happen and really consider yourself sit down quietly and look at yourself in your worst version of yourself your most upset your most disappointed betrayed lied to version of yourself and think what would i need then create a dialogue with your partner and see if the two of you can um, come up with a blueprint on your own of what a separation would look like what a rough patch would look like and maybe even if it suits you, go so far as to put that to paper. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. It's a powerful uh, message over there. So guys, for listeners who are now, if you made it this far, thank you. Thank you so much for sticking with us. If you got any value from today's episode, we would love to get a rating or review on where you would get the podcast. If there is someone in the midst of growing their business or thinking about starting a business, send this episode to them. And then take one thing that you learned today and go out, implement it, execute, and let us know how it goes. And we want to hear about your wins. And above all, thank you for being with us today. We appreciate it a lot. And see you on the next one. Cheers. <laughs>